welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. All right, today is June 28, 2023. Uh, I'm Rick Morton, and this is the Defender Podcast. So um, I have an incredible privilege today to be able to sit down with uh, with my friend, Ivy Todd. Um, we are going to be talking about a, a variety of things today, but but sort of centered on uh, sibling relationships in, in and through adoption. And, and so I am really excited to be able to um, talk with Ivy from the perspective of, of not only uh, being a sibling through adoption and, 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 but also uh, from her professional expertise as, as a parent coach. And so um, today it just so happens we're talking about parent coaching and that's, uh, that's our, that's our promo for today. And so parent coaching um, as summer's in full swing, we have less structured time and that sometimes leads to behavioral challenges. Uh, parent coaching is a service that we have available here at Lifeline for any parent who needs additional insight into their child's behavior. Um, and our parent coaches tailor those sessions to each child and each family. They're 45 to 60 minute sessions filled with proven tools and techniques um, to use in building additional strengths in parenting. And the way you can find out about parent coaching is either by uh, by checking out our show notes or by going to lifelinechild.org backslash parent dash coaching. That's lifelinechild.org backslash parent dash coaching. Ivy, have you realized, have you recognized on the Defender podcast that we have an overemphasis on dashes in our <laughs> URLs? Yes, it's 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 fun to mentally visualize the as you're spelling that out. I know, like we are the people of the dash. And I don't know why. I don't know why we have so many dashes, but it's always easy to remember. If you ever have a question about a lifeline URL, just put a dash between every word and you're yeah. probably going to be really close. <laughs> That's too good. So um in, in all seriousness, though, um, Ivy is one of our parent coaches, and and so uh, what a what a what a neat opportunity today to be talking about something that's not parent coaching, but to have uh, one of one of Lifeline's fantastic parent coaches uh, on as part of the the podcast, and and so Ivy, um, talk from your perspective a little bit about about being a parent coach, about what that experience is like to to get to walk with families and what you do every day. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It is truly the biggest joy that I have gotten to experience professionally. Um, I work with families all day. Um, I do parent coaching meetings a couple each day, and I get to meet one-on-one with parents and just talk through the challenges that they're facing, either through parenting children who are adopted, um, through foster care. And I even have families just who are having a little bit of a hard time parenting their biological children. And so um, we use a lot of, you know, scriptural foundational um, basis just on, you know, remembering um, what does the Bible say about parenting and how can we pull back to that? Um, But in the midst of that practical strategies, you know, to face these behavioral challenges that we see 
in a way that's connecting. So that's kind of what a parent coaching session looks like. I tell every family, I am wanting you guys to come to a point where you fire me, where you don't need me anymore. And that's (laughs) our goal. (laughs) That's an awesome goal though, right? Like to, to have that. And, and I I think it's funny, you know, I think I've, I've told the story before, I think on here, but, um, I, I had the, the opportunity, you know, some years ago to, um, to be part of a dinner with, uh, with Karen Purvis. Wow. And, um, you know, what a, what an incredible privilege to, to, to be able to know Karen over the years. But, um, but I, you know, like I did that thing that everybody that's ever read the connected child wanted to do, which was to like sit down next to Karen Purvis and talk about my kids. Yeah. And, um, and I literally said, I remember at a point I was like, Karen, like I've read all your books and everything. And I just think I, I like, I'm convinced. And I named one of our kids in particular. I was like, I'm convinced you just haven't met him yet. Um, like, like, I think, I think there's another book coming and she just laughed and, you know, we, but, but the truth was the, like, even some of the insights from that, from that brief conversation about, Hey, here's some things we're struggling to apply. Here's some things that we're, you know, we, we just quite, um, don't know what to do with. And, and the fact was that we were kind of, we were kind of thinking of some things wrong and we were sort of applying some things um, incorrectly, even in our understanding of, you know, of, of TBRI and, and, and trauma-informed parenting and just that little troubleshooting conversation. And so, man, like what an incredible opportunity we have for parents who get to spend time with somebody like you with the training and the background and all that to, to kind of journey with and talk about putting a plan together and to help to be that objective voice. And so, um, you know, thank you for what you do in serving families. Yeah. I mean, it is truly, it's truly such an honor and, and you're right, you know, making all the things you learn, um, whether pre-adoption or through reading different books and, and how do I make that practical? So that's, yeah, it's a lot of troubleshooting. And honestly, you know, there are some sessions that parents just need to be heard. So we just sit and listen. And sometimes that, you know, we just spend time in prayer and just taking things before the Lord. And, um, you know, that's just, it, it has been, the Lord has just shown over and over again that he just shows up in these meetings. And it's just been such a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Well, um, before we go too far, like, I feel like I really need to introduce you, right? Like we jumped in and we started talking about parent coaching and all that. And I haven't really told people um, who you are. And we just figured out before we went on air, like, I was like, you've done this before, right? And you're like, no, I've never been on the podcast before. And so, um, wow. So I need to introduce you. So so folks know who you are. Um, so Ivy is, uh, has a bachelor's degree uh, in social work from Auburn University. One of the things that I, you know, like if, like I need you to be a parent coach for our family, because one of the things that's not on her bio that I'm going to, you know, is Ivy was, was a cheerleader at Auburn, was the head cheerleader at Auburn, right? Like what an incredible, what an incredible opportunity to have, have a cheerleader as your parent coach. Like if, (laughs) and here's, here's the thing, like straight up, if you can't be encouraged after a conversation with Ivy, you just can't be encouraged. I just want you to know that like she's um, and so so I'm just saying right now, um, like, go ahead and stand in line because because so Ivy, big business coming your way. Like there'll be parent coaching for sessions for for days um, because they're going to know 
um, that, that you're the most in, in encouraging parent coach. She also has a master's degree. I'm teasing because Ivy's one of my favorite people in the world. Um, <laughs> and she really is one of the most encouraging people I know and has the sweetest spirit. And, uh, and so, but I do like to tease her. Um, so she has a, a, also has a master's degree in social work from Baylor University. She's trained in uh, TBRI, trust-based relational intervention uh, principles as well. Um, and, and one of the things I love about Ivy is how she works hard to help families feel safe and valued in the process. And, um, and as, as we're walking through, you know, sometimes really challenging circumstances and behaviors and um, that, that come through, you know, foster care, adoption, or, or just parenting in general, because um, it's, all, it's all hard. Um, as I've said, she serves as a parent coach with us. Um, helping families to figure out how to use these therapeutic parenting techniques in ways that are going to connect with their kids. And, and, you know, fundamentally, we know that that's, um, that's the important thing. Now, the part of her bio that's significantly important for the conversation that we're about to have is that Ivy also has a sister and a sister-in-law who were both adopted internationally. Um, and so her, her experience with international adoption goes beyond her professional experience, having worked with families in the adoption process and now in parent coaching. Um, but her experience is also as the, as a sibling um, to, um, to an adoptee. And, and so Ivy, thanks so much. Thanks for, um, you know, just agreeing to sit down and, and for having this conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So, um, you know, I, I think one of the things just from, from the outset that, that I, I, and you and I talked about this off air, but I'm going to set this parameter kind of for everybody as we get started, um, that today is, today is talking about, um, siblings in the adoption process. And so what we're not going to try to do is we're not going to try to tell the story of adoptees. We're going to talk specifically about, um, about, you know, the, like you as a sibling and, and kind of talk through that lens. And, and, um, and, and so maybe from that perspective, the way to start would be, um, you know, just, could you share some, some about your family's adoption story from, from your perspective as a, as a, a bio sibling um, yeah. to an adopted child. Yeah, absolutely. And it is just, it's so fun to get to talk about this just because I remember the day that my parents mentioned having a desire to adopt. Now it was not for four more years that they actually mm. started the adoption process. And I think that's a lot of family stories, but from the very beginning, they just, we knew we were part of that. You know, they put the bug in our ear and we prayed together as a family almost every single night just for that possibility, you know, if that was what our family was called to do. And so um, I am the middle child of five. The older four were biological. And then number five, Caboose, came along um, actually when we were all in high school. So we had a pretty wow. unique view of the adoption process just because we were very aware of what was going on. Um, likewise, my husband also is a sibling through adoption. He, um, there are five of them as well, the older four, also biological. He's the oldest. He was in high school when his little sister came home from China. So um, they have both now been home for 10 and 11 years. So we've gotten a lot of really good years of watching them grow up. 
Um, and with that, you know, seeing just kind of everything that comes along with that, when you welcome trauma into your home, um, you just, it just changes things. So we got to kind of have a front row seat of not only the joys, but also seeing the real hard and the real challenges. Yeah. If So maybe before we even get into, get into the, the adoption portion of the story, um, maybe even talking a little bit through the the pre-adoption mm, portion mm-hmm. of things. I, I'd love to just kind of unpack for a second. Um, maybe things that your that your parents did along the way yeah. to to help you guys as um, you know as children in the family be a part of the process. Like how how do they include you? Yeah, that's a great question, and I really do think my parents did this really well. Um, they really just brought us along. <laughs> mm. You know, they they talked about what was happening, you know, okay, and now we're filling out this paperwork and now we're doing this interview. And as older children, we were interviewed. So, so that was, you know, a fun thing that we all did together. And um, they just brought us along in those conversations. You know, what, what, what would it be like when sister is here? What, what are you scared about? What are you excited about? Those were very normal conversations around the dinner table in our house. And so, um, you know, they, the best thing that they did in the midst of that was continuously point it back to the gospel of Mm. look at all of this that we are doing to bring home your sister, you know, how much more does Mm. our heavenly father seek and pursue us? So they really, and, you know, again, because we were a little older, our, our um, spiritual journey and our personal relationships with the Lord were really forming during that time. Mm-hmm. And so it was really helpful for us to have that visual, that tangible example of um, what, you know, our relationship with the Lord um, is, is, is like and how he pursues us. Um, they also, we did, we called it the hope chest, just we were hoping for all that was to come. Mm-hmm. So we had this chest in our house and over the years that it took um, for our adoption process, we would just collect little things that reminded us of her or that we were excited about for her, you know, whether that was a book or a little toy at a shop that we were at, you know, within reason, of course, but they just brought us along in that anticipation of, you know, we're excited and we're hopeful. And so we're going to collect these things, but it also helped to shape our view of thinking about others. You know, we're, we're getting this gift, not for myself, but for my sister, and we're going to wait to use it until she gets here. And so that was, Mm. that was really fun. And we all, we all enjoyed doing that together. That's awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of come out of left field for a second, but, um, but I, so what in retrospect, maybe now would you look back and say, man, I, I, like, I wish I had known this, or I I wish, I wish I had been prepared for this in, in advance of my sister coming home. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we were so excited. (laughs) I just remember being just thinking, oh, we're going to do nails and we're going to do hair and we're going to do all these fun sisterly things. And when she came home, obviously it was a lot harder. So 
And I'm sure they, you know, tried to prepare us for the hard, but we were so focused on, oh, we can't wait to just like jump in and do all these fun things together that I I think we would have benefited from um, a little bit of a reality check. You know, I think Mm -hmm. parents sometimes can be um, a little apprehensive of telling their kids it's going to be hard or of, um, you know, talking about things that are sad. And so I think, you know, encouragement to families of just having those conversations, you know, what will it be like if sister doesn't want to play with you or if it's hard Mm -hmm. when she comes home, you know, and she, we did struggle with that. And so, um, you know, you learn as you go and hindsight is 2020, but um, I do think that that would have been beneficial. You know, in, in the interest of truth telling, I think one of the things that, that Denise and I've talked about along the way is, um, is that part of, part of the post adoption phase, um, is, and I want to say this really delicately, but part of it is everybody's a little disappointed, Yes. right? And that, and, and the reason is not because anybody is disappointing mm-hmm. it, <laughs> It's because we, you know, in this pre-process, we anticipate and we plan and we, you know, we we get ready for and and we all we always like in our minds, we think of that in ideal terms. Yes. And mm-hmm. and we but we never we never get ideal circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially in adoption. That's right. And and so we acknowledge that you know, we're broken and there's brokenness in the story and there's brokenness in all of our children. And like, there's, it's, it's always, it, it, and, and so in so many ways it's, it's better than you ever expected. Um, but in, but in a lot of ways, it also doesn't, you know, kind of fit the picture and live up to what you've, you know, what you've created mentally sometimes. And I think part of the adjustment is, is learning how to sort of let go of that anticipation and, and learning how to, you know, learning how to live in the reality. And, and I know this is not about parent coaching, but good grief. Like that's, that's kind of what, that's kind of what you find yourself helping families do a lot. Right. Well, and I find myself talking with so many families about the grief of how hard post-adoption is, not even in the sense of behavioral challenges. Yes, those mm-hmm. are also present, but more so um, I hear families saying this is affecting the bio kids in ways mm-hmm. that are really hard for us as the parents yep. to watch. Um, and so, you know, I think being prayerful and being mindful that that's likely going to be part of your reality and, um, you know, spending time on the pre-side, like you said, you know, of just um, anticipating the hard as well as the good, because there are both, you know, it's exceedingly more than we could ask or imagine. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it is disappointing in some ways. And so um, those feelings are confusing for kids, especially, you know, they're confusing for adults too, but for kids of for kids who are siblings of these adoptees, you know, it is very difficult to differentiate. I am mad that this happened and I'm disappointed that this, this is the reality. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's a big piece of it too. I'm glad you brought that well, up. 
And as adults, we're like, we're more sophisticated in our ability to, to be able to experience that. And so we, you know, we, we are less black and white many times we, we are, we're, you know, we've, we've, we've not only lived enough life and have enough experience, but we also are developed enough cognitively (laughs) that, that we are able to see a situation and, and experience a, a circumstance that is both that is both good and hard at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, and part of what, you know, sometimes we have to think about is in giving grace to our kids is that intellectually, they may not be in a place where they're very good at, at like experiencing both of those realities at the same time. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I think that just goes back to looking underneath the surface of that behavior. You know, when you see any of your children, you know, having some pretty big behaviors, um, not taking those at face value. And I think that would be a big, um, you know, just something as parents to prepare for of knowing, okay, you know, what are those trigger points of your Mm -hmm current children in the home as you're preparing for this adoption and and what does that look like and and how how do they like to connect you know how can mm-hmm. i meet them there um to connect before i correct the behavior you know there's more mm-hmm. going on underneath that surface um of just anger or just intense frustration or whatever the surface is, you know, hitting the sibling with the toy or whatever, um, being curious, you know, that posture of curiosity is so helpful in times like that. Hmm. That's good. So we, we established in, in your story that, um, and, and in your experience, you're, you were a teenager when, you know, when your sister came home. And so one of the things we know that teenagers are growing in the ability is to, is to perspective take to, you know, kind of be able to be able to stand back from a situation or, or take perspective in it. And so um, how, you know, how has being the, the sibling to a child who came home through adoption, um, how's that changed your perspective or how is that, you know, added to your life. Yeah. Wow. I mean, (laughs) where to even begin? It has, it has truly been just, um, kind of this, this launching pad for, for my life, you know, (laughs) um, we're obviously here talking about this because I work at Lifeline. And so right. I just never, ever forget the impact that even our social worker who still works at Lifeline had on all of us, but really me of just thinking, wow, I want to do that when I grow up, you know, I want to work with these families. Um, I'd also say, you know, when, as we're, you know, as she came home, just that understanding of, um, you know, wow, this is God, you are so good. This is such a big thing. And this, this little girl, um, you know, you, you shift your mind of totally focused on you, totally focused on, wow, I want to go to this college. Wow. I want to do this too. There's this whole other person in your life now who has experienced things that you just can't even imagine. Um, so, so I think that really helped to shape worldview of there are people living with special needs. There are families that are really hard situations, people who've experienced trauma, you know? Um, so I think it really has opened 
mine and, and all of my siblings on, on kind of my side and my husband's side towards um, families like ours, you know, who are doing the hard and it's this different level of compassion. Um, but also with that, you know, having a heart for orphan care, I think that is, has been such a big thing as well of just this perspective of, um, you know, yes, we, we were able to, um, bring this one child into our home mm-hmm. Love her, but but wow, there's so many more. And, and what else can we do? You know, how else can we serve? Um, so so getting to do missions, you know, uh, uh, members of families, you know, have hearts towards adoption, towards foster care. Um, missions is actually how my husband and I met and bonded over both being a sibling of adoption. So it really has just changed perspective on, um, you know, the world, on other, you know, thinking about others, on thinking about um, people who just have lives that don't look like the picket, white picket fence, you know, lifestyle. And so that has been just completely life-changing. That's awesome. Um, What, like without, without really, um, again, just kind of putting the guardrails up of, of talking more, you know, about, about your experience, but, but being attentive to supporting your sister, being attentive to, um, you know, like, I don't know a nice way to say this other than just like being a good sibling, right? Like, like how, like, like being her sister, um, what, like, just what's that like? And, and how, you know, how have you done that? Yeah. And, you know, like you said, being her sister, that's kind of step number one, you know, helping <laughs> her and my sister-in-law, you know, both of them to feel like a sister, to feel like mm-hmm. a sibling. And the age gap makes that a little harder just because yep. we're all out of the home, you know, creating our mm-hmm. own family. So that looks like, you know, showing up for the dance competition or going to the graduation or the birthday party, mm-hmm. um, you know, being there and also standing up for them when, not if, but when people say hurtful things, you know, towards them, sometimes even in front of them, my goodness, how many times that has happened and just being graceful and loving in that response, but also just being, you know, her being a defender of her and just that, Mm -hmm. that sibling, um, sibling relationship, but also like we mentioned at the very beginning, you know, being a keeper of her story is a huge way that we support her, you know, because we were older, we did know parts of her story and how she came to the place of needing to be adopted. And those are pieces of her story that are hers, hers to share when she wants to, how she wants to. So for us, we are kind of the keeper of that, you know, the protector of that story um, because people ask. And so it's, you know, having having that ability to to protect that for her has been a big part of that. Um, you know, when she first came home, my parents had to miss a lot. You know, they were they were at home with her doing different things. Um, and we were you know, in high school. So we were having sports and different activities. And so, so part of that support looks like choosing to remember that Mm. she is 
having a hard time, that she's still adjusting, that this isn't personal. It's not mom and dad didn't want to come to the basketball game. You know, it's, it's choosing mm-hmm. to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing my sister today and that this is hard for her and not letting that fester in resentment. Um, now that's a lot harder. <laughs> It'll look different for a younger child, but, but that was kind of, kind of part of our story. And then sure. we obviously went off to college. So finding how to still create that sibling relationship, um, in, in that different type of dynamic, you know, so she would come up and stay with me at Auburn and we would have camp sister and we would <laughs> do sister things for, for a week in the summer. And we, we had so much fun together. And those are memories that we still talk about. And so, um, you know, finding ways to still cultivate that relationship of a sister, um, That's you know, awesome. lastly, Rick, I mean, you know, you know, this better, better than a lot of people too, of just, having and welcoming special needs into your home, you know, as Mm. a sibling, being aware of those needs, um, between the two sisters, we kind of run the gambit for just all (laughs) sorts of things. So, um, knowing their conditions and knowing how to encourage and support them in the midst of that. And then again, also that defending them piece, you know, of just this, they're going through a hard time and they just need a little bit of extra support. You know, and and like I hear I hear all of your answer and the sum total of it, I, I just I'm drawn to one of the very first things that you said. And it's it's that like you just you just are her sister. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, sometimes the way we talk about these things, even the way we talk about these things internally in our homes, um, we kind of, you know, like our kids. Mm-hmm. sort of start to sound like mission projects. They don't, <laughs> they don't sound like our kids. And, and the truth is they're, they're not, they're just our kids. And, um, and, you know, and I don't want to be trite, but like I, nobody goes around introducing, you know, their children as, Hey, this is my son who was born, you know, by C-section. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, right. Like we don't, we yeah. don't do that. Um, You know, we don't, we don't, we don't talk about those kind of things and just kind of wear that on our sleeve. But, um, and, and so sometimes I think just even thinking categorically about the way that our kids, you know, came into our family as something that continues to be a, like a dominant factor is, is just, you know, not right. And, and that, and that part of what we have to kind of say to our, I think part of parenting in that circumstance is, is is helping our our kids to you know really adopt a worldview that says it doesn't matter how doesn't matter how you came into our family what counts is you're a part of it and and you're in it and and so therefore and and there are there are ways that we you know there are ways that we we treat each other and there are ways that we love each other and there are ways we support each other that are that are because because we're family and and that's not that's not defined by biology and it's not defined by circumstance. Absolutely. Like not saying, Oh, this is my adopted sister. (laughs) This is my sister. And and that has been something we have like put our stake in the ground on. Mm -hmm. She is our sister and it is not um, this line in the sand of, Oh, biological kids on this side and she's on this side, you know, we're all um, together siblings. Yeah. 
I love that. And, and I love the, I love the intentionality behind that and, and, and the way that, you know, the way that you're just really careful about that. Um, you know, we talked about, um, and you said it and I've said it and we kind of danced around it. Um, but, um, about your sister's story and, you know, and about the protection of that, but maybe a little bit of a, you know, different angle, how, like, what have you learned about the Lord in, in seeing the process of her becoming your sister? Wow. Okay. I'll try not to cry. My goodness. Um, (laughs) I'll just, will never, ever forget a couple of years ago, she, became a sister in Christ. She um, mm. was baptized at church. And it's one of those moments that you step back and you can see, you know, again, because we were so aware and part of the process, you know, we, we were, we got to watch those steps of her um, becoming you know, learning about Jesus and becoming um, this person who wants Jesus, you know, into her heart mm-hmm. and just this, wow, God, you, you did this, you know, this, this child who um, was born in a country that it would have been very difficult. I'm not saying impossible, but very, very mm-hmm. difficult for her to ever hear about the Lord to now, you know, make this, this declaration of faith. And and that was just, that was just um, an incredible moment. I mentioned, she also is a little dancer. And so Mm -hmm. anytime we watch her dance, I mean, you look down the aisle and my whole family is just (laughs) because we we missed this, you know, this precious girl who um, has just experienced things that, that she never, ever should have experienced. Um, and, and she's standing here and she's persevering. I mean, it is really, really hard mm-hmm. for anybody, but especially a child through adoption to put themselves out there and try something mm-hmm. with the possibility of failure. And, and mm-hmm. she does it. And it is just so incredible um, to watch. And, you know, I think it's just been I mentioned, um, you know, my husband and I met kind of through missions and through the world of adoption. Um, And it's just, it's really, really cool. And I think just the Lord's hand at work, whenever you meet somebody who has, has done it, who's, who's doing it, Mm -hmm. you know, who's, who's living this hard um, and gets it, you know, so, so that has been cool. I think the Lord has just opened so many doors for relationships like that for me and mm. for my siblings, for us to just have this support network, you know, of other people who, who get it. You know, you just stop for a second and, and you think about the, the bigness and and the I don't even know if this is a word, but like the eternality of God yes. in yeah. in thinking about you know her story and your story and your family and how God brought you together and and the fact that that is not that is not random chance. Oh yeah. Oh, that yeah. is that is the orchestrated plan of God. Yeah. And you know, and, and it just like, you have to get kind of get goosebumps to go yes. like, how cool is God to yeah. allow us to, you know, to be a part of those things um, and to, 
and to see those things. Well, um, so a couple of, couple of last things. Um, so you get an opportunity to pull up a chair and have a cup of coffee with, um, somebody like you and your husband that have, have a sibling who has come home through adoption. Um, like what advice would you give them? Oh man, I love that question. Um, I think first, you know, you're not alone. <laughs> it is, it is, you know, either you're about to welcome a child or children into your home and it's going to change everything or you already have, and it already has changed everything and it's hard. And that's not, that's not bad. That's not um, something to feel isolated about, but just you're not alone. And just your parents are doing everything they can with what they know, with what they have and the best they can with that. Um, and it's just hard, you know, it's, it's not a lack of their love of you. If they miss the basketball game or the awards day ceremony or whatever it may be, you know, it's just, again, that choice, you know, you, you get to decide how this adoption impacts your life. Um, Mm -hmm to miss that, you know, not to just idly let this all go by, but just ask the Lord, you know, what are you trying to teach me? And I think any child, you know, above a cognitive age can, can have those, those conversations and those questions of, you know, what is, what is this going to look like for me? What do I want it to look like for me? How do I want this to, um, impact me and, you know, God, what are you trying to teach me? I think, I think those would be my biggest, biggest things that I would want to say. Okay. So here's the big softball. Um, and that is what, like, what do you say to parents who are, you know, on the precipice of adding a child to their home when, when there are, you know, their kids already at home? Um, what, like what, what one, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hold you down to like one piece of, of, of wisdom or one piece of advice, because otherwise this could, this could turn it like you got a lot here. So one thing that you would just say to a family that would be that, that one reminder or that one important thing. Yeah. I would say be a learner of your children, Mm. be a learner, learn what triggers them, learn what they like, learn what's important to them that you show up to. Um, Mm. and just, just remember, you know, I know you said one thing, but I'm going to say this one more thing. Just, (laughs) just remember, um, that every single child in your home and every single child that you bring home in any other form or fashion is unique and will respond uniquely. So learning each of your children Mm. and their unique um, desires, interests, fears, you know, things like that, um, I think will be really helpful. And I get it. You know, it is honestly, I think one of the hardest points of parenting, parenting challenges is, is navigating when each of your children needs something from you that's different at the same time <laughs> and learning right. how, how to do that. And you can start by just being curious. It's mm. a good word. Ivy Todd. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. It's been fun. We um, let's do this again. Okay. Yeah. yeah like, it's been I, great. I think this is the, so now, now that we have established that, you know, 
you've now been on the podcast once coming on a second time is super easy. So, um, we, uh, but, but let's, uh, you know, and, and I would, I would just encourage you, um, the, those of you that are listening, that are in families that are, that are walking through, you know, continuing to, continuing to, to build a family and continuing to, to be used of the Lord, to knit a family together through adoption that, um, you know, I'm going to add my one thing to it, which is don't be scared to ask for help. Mm. Um, and, and don't, don't be scared to, you know, don't think that you, that you have to have it all together and you have to have all the answers all the time. And, and so, um, part of what Lifeline wants to be, um, is that, is that friend that comes alongside and helps and provides resources and, and provides, um, you know, good, helpful things at, 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 you know, really opportune moments. And, and so, um, you know, reach out to us, parent coaching bridge, all these things that we do are designed in order to be able to come alongside families in those kind of moments and, and to, to just be that, that little bit of extra when, when you need help. And, and so we love you. We're thankful for you. Ivy Todd, I'm thankful for you. Uh, and I'm super grateful for you. And, uh, and, and just super grateful for the fact that we get to serve on a team together that um, that that loves and encourages family. So so thanks for taking time to talk to me today. Thanks for having me. All right. And we will uh, talk to you again right back here on the Defender podcast next week uh, with another episode. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.